congregation of Bethel Family Church. We hope you enjoy listening and that it helps you to grow closer to Jesus. When Gary uh, told me to, that I will be uh, preaching today or teaching, so it was two or three weeks back, so I'm just thinking the Lord what I'm going to preach. So he led me to this uh, passage in a way in John chapter 6. And yeah, to tell you the truth, amazingly, this is a continuation of Carrie's uh, uh, teaching last week in John chapter 5. <laughs> and now we are continuing, we'll continue with the study in John chapter 6 today. So, probably most of you have known this passage, and you have read this passage a lot of times already. So, do you know what this passage is all about? What is the main title of this passage according to your Bible? If you have it with you. It's the feeding of 5,000. Okay, one of the miracles that Jesus did during his ministry. So, if you have the Bibles with you, let um, yes, follow me and read us. Let us read the passage. I'm reading from New King James Version. Your version might be different. So, uh, John chapter 6, um, verses 1 to 14. So after these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, when great multitudes followed him because they saw him signs which he performed on those who were deceased. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Verse 4, Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that this may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in the number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had Given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were lifted or they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they seen the sign that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet who is to come into the, this world. So, so I titled this passage, Not Feeding the 5,000. 
but impressed me to do this commitment. We'll be talking about commitment uh, this morning, as seen in this passage. So the commitment um, starts with letter C. Actually, so it got me thinking, uh, how could I make this, or how could I make the outline so that everything would start with letter C as well? Not because it's nearing Christmas, <laughs> just as for letter C, or not because our, spa, our pastor's name starts with letter C as well, that's for Caleb. <laughs> but yeah, so I just want to create something like uh, every one of us can remember. So yeah, I thank God that he led me to this passage anyway. And for the letter C's, or commitment as well, uh, for the word or for this passage that we're going to study today. So this commitment. So we're going to take up the characters, see, characters of this story, of this passage. It starts with letter C. So what do you think the first will be? Hmm. It's not so obvious in our passage. But yeah, start with the crowd. C, letter crowd, a.k.a. multitudes being said in this, in this passage that follow Jesus Christ. Okay, that's the crowd. Let's talk about them for a while. So how many, so it said in the passage and to the um, parallel passage, passages as well in MMLJ, <laughs> it says that um, they're coming from different places. They could be five kilometers away, 10 kilometers away, or we just in the neighborhood? We don't know. But they're coming from different places. All over the places, should we say. And how many are they? So the passage, the passage tells us that there are 5,000 men. Yeah. Some of the manuscript says 5,000 men. And would you believe it or not, some of the Bible scholars say that during that time, they only count the men. It's not being discriminatory, but probably during that time they said, they usually count only the men. So it could be 5,000 men, and could be plus another people. It could be, I don't know, could be twice. I don't know, but for me, it doesn't matter to me. 5,000 is still a big crowd. <laughs> Do you agree with me? 5,000 is still a big crowd. Either 5,000 men, just men, or 5,000 is still a big crowd. Isn't it? So, if I'm going to, you know, uh, visualize really how much they cover, actually, this passage. So that's, uh, forgive me, it's, I use the soccer field as the illustration, this passage. Because it's a World Cup year, right? So have you seen the World Cup? Yeah, I know. Uh, uh, I could have used the illustration as the, the Aussie football field. But allow me to. <laughs> okay. So that could be approximately three soccer fields. So I've seen soccer fields yeah. Yeah. in the TV or somewhere here. Three soccer fields at four square meters per person. That means between you and the other person could be just two meters. It's somewhat very tight as well. It might be very comfortable, but that's how many the people are, only counting the 5,000, okay? So, and because according to the passage, Jesus was sitting at the mountainside, could be from him, granting that there's no other people behind him because he was sitting at the mountainside. See, it could be three or four times the soccer field. That could be around 300 meters. That's the farthest, farthest person 
from the point where Jesus is and the disciples. Yeah. So that's how crowded it is. So with approximately three soccer fields. Okay. And I would say they came unprepared. Question mark anyway. Well, most of them probably because we know that someone at least in the crowd was prepared for that journey. Why, why can I say this? Because they don't have any food that they bring with them. Yeah, that's the crisis came when, when um, Jesus told them to feed all these people. So it means to say the people doesn't have, they didn't bring any food for them. For, for themselves, I would say. So or else the disciples won't be facing this crisis to feed them if they got food to eat that they bring along. Okay? Take this for example. Probably I'll take Greg as an example. Oh, Greg, um, I'm, I've heard that Jesus is coming. He's coming to Port Augusta somewhere in the outback. Would you like to come with me? Just say yes, please. Talk. <laughs> Would you like to come with me? Oh, yeah, um, it's somewhere in the outback. In the outback, so um, we might probably need your 4x4 four four to drive over there. Would be okay? Yeah, don't worry. I, I'll bring my portable gas butane and some ischio food so that we can share. Because I think the, uh, it would take us a day or overnight or two nights to just hear Jesus preaching. So, is it okay? Yeah, we bring your car, four by four, I'll bring the iski and the, for us the food to share. And probably to make us comfortable, we'll bring our tents as well, to share so that we can sleep just in case it goes a night or two. It would be okay. So that's why I'm trying to, uh, trying to point out here, we should be, I should have at least prepared to go there, to come here and listen to Jesus, right? We don't have to talk about the portable toilet, okay? <laughs> okay. So, so that's it. That's prepared. It's actually been going over there. So I would say some of them are not prepared, but still a big question mark for me because I cannot really judge. Why? Because some of them came to see Jesus actually, and they were there following him. Some of them were following him for days already. Probably they were prepared during the time, but as time goes on, they're still following Jesus, and they run out of food. That could be the case. So I can see that the people are really committed. So that's where the commitment came. They're really committed to listen to Jesus, to follow Jesus wherever he goes, because they want to listen to him. They want to witness what is Jesus going to do. They want to learn. They want to be fed by Jesus' word. They want to, you know, you know, really make Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That's why they keep on following him. And that time came. So that's how committed they were. Probably out of 5,000, they came probably with different reasons. We don't know. Some of them might just be out, just going to observe what he can do. Some of them might just be looking for fault. Yeah? As like what the... Uh, the Pharisees, the purpose Pharisees are when they were following Jesus. We don't know. But most of them could be just coming from different places. That's how committed they are. Wherever he goes, we will go. We'll follow Jesus, whatever what. Some of them, we don't know. 
might be expecting something. Don't worry about the food. We're just going to follow him. We know that Jesus will do something. Some of them might be like that. We have the faith, the commitment to follow Jesus because of that. Yeah. Are you with me? So, yeah, we cannot judge. But we, what I can say is that at least probably some of these people in this crowd have the commitment to follow Jesus no matter what. No matter we're out of food, no matter where we're going to sleep, how many days will it take, we're determined and we're committed to follow Jesus. Amen? Are we that committed? Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about that. So they came, Jesus, to hear him preach, to be healed by, by him, to learn from him, anything else. Okay, that's the crowd. So what's the letter C that we're going to, to, um, to learn here? That the circle of disciples. If the disciples start with letter C, I would use that word. <laughs> but it's not so I'll just use circle of disciples okay because it's not just one <laughs> okay so what can we see here so that's Philip anyway so they were faced with crisis the crisis came okay so what the crisis Jesus told them feed them give them something to eat that's the crisis that's the problem okay So, obviously, this in the passage that Jesus asked this question just to test them. Okay? How? Uh, it would say here, I don't know in your Bible, some says, the, the, some passages say that it would take half a year's wages for each one to have a bite. So that's a good illustration, actually. So half a year's wages for a person at the time for each one to have a bite. So really not enough. So that's a crisis. For them, it's impossible to feed this person, to these people, this crowd. It's just impossible. You cannot do it, they said. Right? And I'm just thinking, actually, why is Jesus asking this question to the disciple to test him? Why, why, do you, why it is needed to Jesus, for Jesus to test the disciples? Why? So I'm just looking through the passage, and yes, I found these two passages anyway, in James 1, 2 to 4, and Romans 5, 3 to 24. What does the testing of my, our, the testing of our faith, what is the result of testing our faith anyway, should I ask you? What is the outcome when our Lord or God or Jesus tests our faith? Yes, the outcome is it produces endurance. Or the second passage brings about perseverance. They are synonym, endurance and perseverance, okay? Ah, who's the engineer here? Eli. I could see Eli, the only engineer here. Well, with the exception of myself. <laughs> so Eli, okay, uh, we found like a new material in iron knob. We know that it's not steel. Something like a metal, we know it's a metal, but it's, we know it's not steel, something new. So how would we know that this, uh, this uh, material or new metal can endure a thousand ton? How would we know? Yes, test it, subject it to test, that's it. 
and we would know how much endurance strength it has. Yeah. Well, certain metal is being tested as well, subject it to load until it breaks, and thus we know, ah, oh, that's, his, that's his limit, that's his strength, and we know what the force. We are, not, we are not like that. We've been tested, but not really tested to the point that we are already physically broken, okay? <laughs> but, you know, when God testing us, it will grow from one faith to another. Yes. If, if we are just metal, we are like metal, if we are best being tested to that strength, our strength will continue to grow, to grow, to grow, and endurance limit will increase and increase and increase as well. So why, that's, why, that's why the Lord tests us, actually, to make us endure. Our perseverance will increase. So as our faith, actually. Why do you think that the disciples endure with all the trials, with all the persecutions? Why did they endure? Because they were being, during this time, as the example here, they were being tested. Their faith were being tested by Christ. Aside from Christ was teaching them, their faith was being tested every time by Christ so that they will be prepared when time comes. As we know, according to tradition, I think it's only Apostle John uh, that died from natural death, but almost all of them, probably all of them, died as a martyr. Means they were executed, but they never waver in their faith and their commitment to God. Well, they were they were empowered with the Holy Spirit during, in the Acts of the Apostles. But prior to that, they were taught, they were tested regularly by Jesus Christ until the endurance and their strength grew. And then they can withstand all the trials and stand on their commitment. Get me? Okay, I know it's one of us in one way or another, whether small or big, has gone into trials and testing of our faith. So, Yes, just consider it pure joy according to James when you're facing these trials because your faith, the trials of your faith produces endurance. Are you with me? Good, yes. Yeah. The next one is, yeah, um, so the reason, I have this question as well. Why did, Jesus asked Philip specifically. There are 12 of them, or 13. At this time, there are still 13 of them, the disciples or the apostles. Why did he ask Philip specifically? Did you ever have asked that question or just me? <laughs> he could ask his favorite, like Peter, or Simon Peter, where can we get bread for these people? But he asked specifically Philip. Yeah. When we search through the Bible about Philip, there's not really a lot of accounts about Philip. But first thing is, when he was called to be a, an apostle, it wasn't him who approached Jesus, but Jesus approached him. Come and follow me. Oh, very special. He approached, Jesus approached him and come and follow me. And he did follow. And after that, while uh, Jesus was still looking for apostles' disciples, uh, he went to his, uh, I think it was his brother, and to the other disciples, and told them, come, 
I mean, the prophecy has been made true, and this is the man coming from Nazareth. And one of them asked, oh, is there anything good coming from Nazareth? <laughs> but Philip said to them, come and see. So that was Philip's role. He was attracting or encouraging other apostles to be apostles as well. That was his ministry. So he has, he has that faith, actually, in Jesus. Yeah. And during that time as well, now he was being asked, why Philip? I don't know the answer, totally. But the answer will be lies on what he responded. What was his response? So, half a year's wage is not enough for us to buy bread to every people to have a bite. That was his response. May I ask you a question? Has Philip saw what Jesus, prior to this incident, the miracles that Jesus did? Have you seen the miracles? Yes, he did. Right? Just last week alone, Kerry um, uh, teaches about chapter 5. What was the miracle happening there? Can you still remember? This is a test. <laughs> Can you still remember what happened there? John chapter 5. Yeah. And it was in a Sabbath. And then he asked the man, yeah, a crippled man, who was sitting by the pool, Siloam. And he can't get out to the Siloam because before he gets in, some other people haven't already got into the pool. So what did Jesus said? Oh, he didn't carry it. He didn't carry it. Yes. What did he, he do? Haley. Yes. As simple as that. Pick up your mat and walk. And the crippled one walked instantly. That's a miracle. I'm quite sure that Philip have witnessed it. Do you agree with me? It's not being said in the passage, but I'm quite sure he witnessed it. Now, why in this passage? Why? Probably there's a reason why he asked Philip, because Philip might have this thought in his mind. Yeah, he's still, you know, growing up in faith. That would be the reason why he asked Philip, for Philip to grow in his faith as well. So he asks that question. So at this stage, when, Jesus, when Philip replied, he focused more on what? Practical things. What can be seen by the human eye? he have seen already what Jesus can do, but he still focus on what what a brain would think, human brain would think. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus, I'm quite sure, asked this question to him so that the eyes of faith of Philip will open. Same with us. Yes. With our faith, you know, miracles will happen that we will see. Jesus really is our Lord. That he can do everything. He can do anything. Yeah. Are you with me? It's okay. So that's the reason why probably that's why that's what God impressed me. Because you know, rather than thinking about the practical side of things, think about what God can do miraculously. And I believe it's still happening today. Amen. Okay. But one thing about the circle of disciples is their commitment to the Lord as well. They keep following Jesus Christ wherever it is, being as disciples. And they're committed also with, you know, feeding the people as well over there. So I was thinking, 
if people, uh, if Jesus asked them, where are we going to, to get bread or food to feed poor these people? I don't know. Probably some people would say, oh, it's not our job. <laughs> it's not our responsibility to feed them. Let them go over to the town and we'll get food from them. They could have replied something like that. Okay, or else, oh, why does it bother us? It's their problem. They came here. They should be prepared. Hmm. <laughs> it's not our, our responsibility to feed them. Hmm. Sorry. <laughs> Very Okay. So they could have responded something like that. But no, they didn't. They feel the crisis. They feel the problem. They feel the burden as well. Aside from being have compassion on the people over there, they feel the burden as well. Yeah, probably how I wish we could feed them. Yeah. Could them. We have compassion in them. How I wish we could feed them. So that's one thing I've seen about it. They're also committed in, you know, serving Jesus, and they're committed also to take care of the people. And that's what I see about the apostles. Okay? Are you with me? <laughs> okay, next. They have a compassion of a crowd around them. So what could be the letter C next? Who would guess? Uh, we're talking about the characters of the story. Who could be the letter C next? <laughs> okay. Not yet. Probably <laughs> talk about Christ first. Yeah. Probably we don't have to say more about Christ because it's very evident. It's very obvious what he's doing. He's very compassionate. He's got compassion about his people coming to him and new food. New food to eat. So and that's what Jesus is very compassionate about that. It's only he's not he's not concerned just our spiritual needs. He's also concerned our physical needs. That's for sure. Yeah. So yeah. So don't limit what Christ can do. Yes. He can do he can you know meet our uh, spiritual needs and physical needs. I may say that he's allowing, he's not creating the situations, probably, I don't know. But one thing for sure, he's allowing situations to happen to test one's faith and commitment. I have explained it before, that with the reason to strengthen us, to strengthen disciples. He's allowing the situation to happen, that crisis to happen, but there's no food. Okay. And he is creating solutions to the crisis. So he just left Philip and the disciple about this. Oh, it's your problem. No, you should find your own. Jesus did not tell, tell the disciples, ah, just do something else to, to save or to, to solve this problem. <laughs> no, he didn't let them go. But Jesus was, was there all the time. And it didn't change. That's the same as our song this morning. He didn't change. He's our way maker. He's the same from the Garden of Eden. You know, when our first parents fell, when they sinned, was God always with them when they get out of Eden? Although they were driven out of Eden, but God did not left them. Are you with me? Who clothed them anyway? It was God. And from their own, God is always with them, talking with them. In the Old Testament, we're talking 
through the people, through the prophets, or directly as well to the people. And the same today. It never changed. God, God is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever, it has changed. When facing a crisis like this, he's always there to help you. He will never leave us or forsake us. That's his promise always. And we know that promises of God, he, he never lies. He's not like men who lies. But God, when he promises it, he will make it come to pass. It will happen. Yeah. said, this is committed to be always with us and to fulfill his promise. That's our Lord God. So he... Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> so with this, so so he did it, um, left the, the disciples to sort out or to solve the problem by themselves. He's just allowing the situation to happen to test them and to increase their faith. So God and Jesus made this miracle to happen and he multiplied the five loaves and two fishes. So that's the letter C, actually, the next one that we're going to talk about. It's about the child. Actually, it's not really the word child in the Bible. It's the lad or the little boy to other passages. But we'll call it child to remember, okay? That starts with letter C. (laughs) So what about the child or this lad? Well, he's got the five loaves and two fishes. Oh, well, it's a good thing. Amongst the 5,000, at least there is one prepared. <laughs> that little lad. I'm just thinking, oh, how did he get it? It's, is he together with his mom and dad? During that? Oh, I don't know. It didn't say. Probably not. Or else, mom and dad could have, you know, bringing the five loaves and two fishes. I don't, I don't know, actually. But it's the lad. He's got the five loaves and two fishes. He's prepared. He would probably know that it would take days to follow Jesus and listen to his word and witnessing his um, miracles. It would take days. So he brought with him five loaves and two fishes. Okay? He owns it. Well, that's it. He came prepared for the journey. And one thing about this anyway, I'm quite sure he's very near to Jesus Christ and the disciples. Do you agree with me? With this one? Why? Why can we say that's pretty close or near to Jesus and the disciples? Why? He's not probably at the edge of the crowd, right? This could be 300 or 400 meters away. But I would say he's pretty close or near to Jesus. Probably we didn't reach. Why did I say that? Or why do we say that? He's pretty close or else the disciples wouldn't see his five loaves and two fishes. Right? Are you with me? If he's 400, uh, 400 meters away, oh, the disciples wouldn't see it. Yeah. And why do you think he's pretty close and very near to Jesus Christ? Eh? Why? There's no right or wrong answer here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> why do you think that he's pretty near or close to Jesus Christ? Yeah, well, I'm quite sure he wants to hear and witness Jesus Christ, what he's doing. Probably the people 400 meters away wouldn't hear what Jesus is saying or talking about. I don't know. 
is there a megaphone already during the time or a loudspeaker? <laughs> I don't know. Wow, oh, we don't know. Are they pretty, pretty, pretty close to each other? 5,000? Even if there's no space between them, I don't think so. It could be the last person in the circle could be very far away. Yeah, they couldn't hear the words or what Jesus is saying. But I'm quite sure little lad or this boy came pretty close to Jesus Christ because he's very enthusiastic to hear the word of the Lord and to witness the miracles that he is doing. Are we that keen? <laughs> Amen. So, yes, and one thing, he owns that five loaves and two fishes. First thing that is true, he owns it. He owns it, right? He has the right not to share it. Oh, no. I would share it because I know it would take probably how many days for this journey. I may get hungry tomorrow if I'm going to share it. My mother told me not to share it because <laughs> I may run out of food. Oh, no, I'm just making it up. But could be. He has the right to do it because it's his. It's for him to prepare for this journey. Or at least he get hungry. But what did he do? He committed everything to the disciple or to our Lord Jesus Christ, these five loaves and two fishes, when he saw that crisis. One thing as well, it got me thinking, ah, did the disciples coerce this, this lad or this boy to give the five loaves and two fishes? Mm, do you think so? Come on, let us have it to share to everyone. <laughs> did the disciples coerce the lad or the boy to share it? I don't think so. Jesus is just nearby. Otherwise, Jesus will tell them off. <laughs> Are you with me? I'm, I'm quite sure about that. <laughs> I'm sure about that. Yeah. So it's really the boy really offered all his cat to Jesus Christ. At least to serve. Yeah. To at least share something about this crisis. I've, I've read a lot of stories about children actually. You know that, you know, some stories just breaking all this, what they've earned in a piggy bank and then share it to their, to their mom who's got nothing already. Mom, please. Certain stories like that. I've heard stories about a little boy who was asked in the hospital that, oh, your sister needs blood. Can you share your blood because of your the same type? I said, oh, okay. Yes, yes, I would share it. And that's so they blood was taken out from him and then yes blood transfusion to to his sister and then after that the the hospital and the staff there thanked the boy and then the boy asked the question so when am i going to die <laughs> stories like that he was thinking that he's going to die about giving, giving his blood who did it and there are a lot of stories about little kids oh that's the reason why Jesus Christ make these kids an example of faith as well. If you have faith like these children, what was that? Yeah. If you just have this faith like these children, I know, things can happen. Yeah. Not just saving you, but yeah, miracles can happen. This is the same thing here. Yeah. So he gave up everything. He committed everything to what he's got to our Lord. Okay? Without hesitation. Yeah, so what was the conclusion? 
it's not part of the character, but see conclusion of what <laughs> the outcome of child's commitment according to us passage. First, it is how the miracle started. Do you agree with me? It might be, would say, oh, probably even without those, Jesus can do a miracle. He can, he can still make bread and fishes out from thin air. Yes. Yes, Jesus can do that, I believe. But yes, Jesus wants to point out that miracles started or will happen when someone is committed to him. Do you agree with me? God showed it out from the little boy's commitment. Then the miracle did happen. All the people there, 5,000 or more, were being fed. Were being fed, satisfied. They were being blessed. They were being blessed because of these little lads or this boy's commitment. Are you with me? <laughs> yeah, so that one. Out of his commitment, everyone was blessed. Not just himself, but everyone was blessed. Everyone was being fed and blessed. Yeah. And it's just that, you know, they have more than, even more than enough to eat. And do you think it returned back to him? Heaps? Yes, I believe. So I think the, the boy received more than five loaves and two fishes after this. He received more, more than that back to him. As being shown in the passage, there were how many baskets? Leftovers? Twelve. I know the, the little boy have got more back in return because of this. Right? And then, the one thing more, in the last passage, of this, of our, the last verse in our passage, I would read that again. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet who is to come into this world. So as a result of boy's commitment, Jesus was being praised, Jesus was being honored, and many believe in Jesus Christ as a result of that boy's commitment. Okay? I would like to tell a story. I didn't know if you heard that story. This is a true story. Story again. <laughs> Have you heard the story about 57 cents? Raise your hand if you do. Not yet? Yeah, this is a good story. 57 cents. It happened in the 18, 1890s, 1890s in Philadelphia, USA. It's a true story, believe me. It's a true story. You can search in Google after this, this, this worship service. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 57 cents is a true story. So let us go through that story anyway. So there's a sobbing little girl stood near a small church from which she wasn't able to attend because it was too crowded. So I could go to Sunday school. She sobbed to the pastor as he walked by. So seeing her, the pastor took her by the hand, took her inside and found a place for her in the Sunday school class. So the little girl was able to attend that Sunday school class because of that. And then the minister told him, told her that one day they would have buildings big enough to allow everyone to attend. So that was the pastor's vision during the time. So it was crowded. So, so in less than two years anyway, uh, the, the girl's age was five during the time when he attended the Sunday school. She was five. And then after two years, she became ill and passed away 
he was seven, she was seven when she passed away. And uh, he died of diphtheria, according to history. And during the time, 1890s, there's no vaccination against diphtheria yet. Even the hospitals are not able to cure it at that time. So unlike today, we got the vaccination of diphtheria already. So she died of diphtheria and passed away after two years to that incident. So no one guessed her strange little secret until beneath her pillow was found a torn pocketbook with 57 cents. That's where the story started. So they found something underneath her pillow. And what did they find? In it, dropping a scrap of paper on which was written, to help build that little temple bigger so that more children can go to Sunday school. So that was the intent of his heart when he was saving that 57 cents. You might think 1890s, 57 could be a million. During the time, no, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. 57 cents, it won't go farther. Okay? During, even during the time, only 57 cents. Uh, some history would say 57 pennies. pennies. Are they di- different? Penny or cents? Just say cents. 57 cents. So for two years, for two years, so for five to seven when the, she passed away, she had saved her cents for the cause building a bigger church, which were nearest to his heart, and that to have more children to go into the Sunday school, that was in her heart because he experienced it. Okay, the pastor told the story with this, so the pastor, actually the, the mom, uh, gave that sense to the pastor including the note. So the pastor told the story to his congregation, and the people began donating for the enlargement of the Sunday school classroom, and it did came. So, and even the local papers during the time published their story far and wide, and within five years, the 57 cents has multiplied to 250,000 during that time, and it's a big, it's a lot of money during the time, and it helped them Definitely, yeah. Uh, they made bigger church and more people were able to attend Sunday school in the first place. Okay. So 26 ye- years later, so in a talk entitled, actually it's the pastor sharing this. So the history of the 57 cents, the minister explained the result of her 57 cents donation. First, a church with a membership of over 5,600, and that's the Temple Baptist Church in Philadelphia, even standing up to this day. A hospital where tens of thousands of people had been treated, and that's the Temple Hospital in the same place. 80,000 young people going through university, and that's the Temple University in the same place and 2,000 people going out to preach the gospel, so they were sponsoring missionaries as well. And because all this happened, okay, sorry. Ah, sorry, so touching. It so happened because the girl invested his 57 cents. Sorry. Sorry for being emotional, but uh, it's really a touching story. Out, um, out from her commitment, out from her faith and commitment, invested just 57 cents. 
and this is what it calls sin. And this is the result. This was the result. Okay. So, that little girl actually is little Hatim May Wayat. That's his name. And that's the pastor, Rosel Canwell. So they said if you're going to the Temple University or Temple Church over there, there's a room really where the picture of that little girl was hanging. And there was a foundation in honor of, of her. That's a commitment. Um, I'm asking you this question. Is there a difference between that little boy and this little girl in our story this morning? Is there a difference? No. No. God worked in that five loaves and two fishes. God worked with the 57 cents. Well, got a point. It's not about how big we can, we can give. It's not about how small or what ministry we are doing. It's not about that. It's, about, it's not about what the position in our, you know, in the church. But it's not about that. It's the intention of our heart. It is the intention of our heart that just touches the heart of God. Our commitment to Him. Commitment, yes, because commitment is the action word for faith as well. You got me? Commitment. So they've committed everything, this little child and that little boy. So, yeah, and it touches the heart of God. I think the ladies, anytime they are doing the coffees over there or welcoming me over there, it touches me. It blesses me, actually. In Haley, you're doing the welcome there and then announce, make the announcement there. I don't know about you, but it blessed me. It blessed me. I was blessed by their commitment of doing those things. Not for me, but for the Lord as well. Yeah. Don't underestimate small beginnings. Don't underestimate what you are doing. God sees the intention of your heart, and it's what that touches his heart, actually. It is where miracles will start to happen. It might take longer, but it is where the miracles will happen. Okay? It's out of our commitment, actually. Yeah. You get me? I was blessed with the, oh, thank you for the Stout family. I know your commitment, you know. For those of you who don't know him, almost all of them here, the Stout family, are in this uh, platform. (laughs) Except for the dad, yeah. They were, you know, doing the music ministry. And we are blessed for that. Their commitment to the Lord. The whole family is committed to the Lord. And it blesses me. I know it blesses you. Yeah, and their commitment, I know. I believe, and I believe that it touches the heart of God. Then that's what matters. And I know that miracle will happen. Okay. Okay. I'm, you know, blessed by the, with the people doing there, the projectors, and the music, in the way. So, thanks, thanks for that. I know it blesses me. It blesses all of you. And I know, and I believe that it just is the heart of God. And I know that miracles would happen. When you're up here, when you're here, together, when you're worshiping the Lord, coming here, not only sitting there, but I know you came here to worship the Lord. It touches me, seeing your faces here. I know it touches every one of us here when we worship together and praising God. I'm blessed. We are blessed. And I know it touches the heart of God. 
and I know that miracle will happen. Do you believe? Amen. Yeah. Pastor Caleb, anytime that you're standing here in this platform, preaching the word of God, it touches me. It blesses me. And I know it blesses all of you over here. And I know, I believe what I believe. It touches the heart of God. Now, there are times that our faith and commitment are being tested by God. It's pretty common. We may fall, we may stumble, but remember this, God is always there to help us. Just like the disciples in their story, and every story in the Bible, God is always there to guide us, to help us, to help us, encourage us. Yeah. Don't forget that he's always there and willing to help you because he loves you. That's the first place. And he promises that he would never leave us nor forsake us. Amen. So that's commitment. Just don't falter on your commitment. Keep on doing that. Keep on doing that. For I'm quite sure I believe in my heart that it will it will bear fruit. When it when something touches the heart of God, it will bear fruit. Miracles will happen. It might not be now. But eventually, miracles will happen. So keep the faith. Have the commitment. Don't falter in your commitment. Continue to do it. There are times you might be, you know, you stumble and fall. It's normal. God is testing us. But God is there. He's always there and willing to help us. Amen? I hope this morning's lesson teaches us. Um, touches, Touches our heart, actually. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I praise God for his word and I praise God for for the people that he's been using you know, to teach us and to encourage us, to bless us just like this little lad and this little girl yeah. and yeah, I hope we get something out this morning from the word of God God bless everyone of you and then yeah keep the faith and commitment okay <laughs> listening to today's message. For more information or to listen to other podcasts, head to our website at BethelCRC.com.